Every parent of a small child has heard this. Daddy. Daddy, daddy. Daddy, 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 daddy. <laughs> mommy, 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 mommy. Your kids want attention. <laughs> and they should get attention. It's a good thing. Daddy, watch this. Ever heard that? Mommy, did you see what I did? Children want to help. And when they do, and when a parent says, Oh, that was so good. Thank you. Wow, their faces, they glow with pleasure. We were made to be praised for our good works. Both the things we do and our good attitude. Our good spirit. And if God made us to be so praised by our earthly elders... How much more did he make us to be recognized by him? Now, of course, we all know that all who are his will achieve the ultimate praise, the reward in the next life, but he does not leave us without encouragement in this. Last week, we looked at the introduction of the glorified Christ in the Revelation and his introduction of himself in the letters to the seven churches. Today, we'll look at his commendation of each of the churches, how he introduces them to themselves, and how that relates to us. And yes, there are some significant uh, difficulties <laughs> in five of the seven churches, just as there are in our present-day churches, but we're not going to bother much with those today. Today we just want to say, Daddy, 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 did you see what I did? And soak in his praise. So, we'll start where the Lord started, in Ephesus. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. Everybody can work, toil, for a little while. <laughs> but to endure, that's the ticket. That's where we're trying to go. Getting our kids to stick to a task, it's a major part of teaching them to endure, of growing up. One of our little ones was what is just wonderfully called strong-willed. That just sounds so nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the basic rules of our family was if you play with it, you have to put it away. One evening I got home and this little one had decided he'd done enough picking up. <sighs> His mom, having reached her limit, <laughs> it was left to the dad to finish this teaching. Okay. Shall we say that the little one was uninterested? Okay. I actually had to squeeze his little hand around each toy pick the toy up with him attached, walk to the toy box, and then get him to let go and drop it where it's supposed to be. Okay. Of course, then he figured that out, so now he wouldn't open his hand to put a toy around, right? So now I had to pry his little hand open and get it around the toy and then hold that in place while I'm transporting his kicking little frame complete with the toy across the room, right? And all through this process, we're talking dozens of toys. Dozens. 
He's screaming his lungs out, okay? Did you know that explaining to a two-year-old that the energy they're expending in resisting doing the job that they're supposed to do is greater than the amount that they would consume if only they would carry out the task at hand? That, that's not real useful to explain that to a two-year-old. I don't know if you knew that. It just doesn't really work. Oh, well. I, I don't know how many days we went through this routine before he finally grasped the truth and began to endure all the way through the job on his own. Well, that and not take out so many toys in the first place, that also was a lesson he learned. But I'm not sure he endured with patience, okay? <laughs> Whatever the case, with our little one, those in the Ephesian church had learned to not just endure, but to patiently endure. Patience. The quality of being patient as the bearing of provocation, annoyance, misfortune, or pain without complaint, loss of temper, irritation, or the like. Okay, don't know about you, but that is not a natural state for me. Okay? <laughs> uh, but with the Spirit in us, we can learn to be patient while we endure. You can be sure that our little son, when he did pick up his toys, he got plenty of praise for it. Okay, we poured it on. God, too, will pour praise out on us. And this is really important to God. Jesus, a couple of verses down, Jesus says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. He repeats himself. When we have the patience of the Spirit, we can bear up for Jesus' name. And he will not fail to praise us for it. And we won't grow weary, at least so weary that we stop enduring. <laughs> and by the way, why are they having to endure? What's, what's the deal here? Let's go back. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. In the church, their very church, there were people who falsely claimed to be apostles. Jesus calls them evil. When evil attacks you, especially evil dressed up like good, it can wear you down. You're doing your work, getting the job done for Jesus, you know. Until someone you think is on your side throws a wrench into the works. So how did they keep from wearing out with that going on? They tested those who called themselves apostles. They discovered they were false before these apostles were able to hoodwink them. Jesus commends them not simply for not simply accepting that someone who sounds like an apostle, dresses like an apostle, claims to be an apostle, really is an apostle. They found out these people were evil before they let them all the way into their fellowship. That's how you keep from wearing out with these kind of people, <laughs> with evil people. And Jesus commends them for this. Okay, great. But is it really all that important? 
After Jesus gives them some necessary (laughs) correction, He commends them once again. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Hate? Jesus commends them. He praises them for hating. Yep, He does. Not hating the people, the Nicolaitans, whoever they were, we don't know, but hating their works. Do we hate evil? Do we really hate evil? We should. If we understand its nature, we will. And if we do, we'll also understand why Jesus gives praise to the Ephesian church for their hatred of this evil teaching. Let me get our strong-willed son off the hook. Six years later, he's in the second grade. And he makes a friend who happens to be African-American. Didn't mean anything to Paul. But unfortunately, did I tell you we had moved to a southern state? (laughs) Some older, bigger kids decided they'd pick on the black kid. Well, we get a call from the school saying that we'll need to come into the office to pick up our son after school today. (laughs) Okay, turns out that in his burning, righteous indignation, he had come to the rescue of his friend and the two of them have over, had overpowered their four bigger schoolmates and, shall we say, subdued them physically. Is that fair? To... <laughs> uh, normally, Mr. and Mrs. Henderson, we'd take disciplinary action against all parties in a fight. Uh, but in this case, <laughs> so they let Paul off the hook. What were they saying about our little boy? Yet you have this. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. That's what they were saying. Evil is wrong. There are things which we can hate, things which we must stand against. Not hating the perpetrators, that's important, but definitely hating the evil they carry out. And our Father in Heaven will echo the praise of His Son. This is a war, after all. You know, that's kind of part of the point. The next church Jesus introduces is Smyrna. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. I'd like to touch on that introduction, even though we talked about it just last week. Jesus is the one who died and came to life. You see, the troubles that Jesus lists next, because he lists troubles for every church, are not troubles that they made. In fact, he has nothing negative to say about the folks in Smyrna. But their situation is most grave. In fact, he says straightforward that some of them are going to prison and to tribulation. In that political system, prison and tribulation were usually a precursor to death. So Jesus says to them, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Only the one who died and came to life can legitimately make a promise like that. Okay. But he started by saying, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. I don't think we can say it too many times. Wealth is not measured by money or possessions. Okay. I love the story of the rich guy who retired early at 16. 
He was walking the beach one day and came across a young man also strolling contentedly along. In talking with him, he discovered that he was a young entrepreneur, owned a small local business. But he had worked only six hours that day, taking time off to play with his kids on the beach. They, they were splashing right in front of him. The man said, what? You only worked six hours? How can you possibly expect to build a successful business that way? You have to sacrifice now while you are young so that you can reap the rewards later. Really? What rewards? Well, look at me, the man said. I have freedom to stroll along the beach most any time I want. You can imagine the young man blinked a few times before he quietly said, well, I can already do that. <laughs> uh, and I don't want to put hard work down I, in, to five of the churches. Jesus said, I know your works to five of them. So works are important. But why are we working? If it's only to gain more things, then we're fools. It's not worth it. James said it right. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? Rich. Heirs of the kingdom. Rich. At the end of the revelation, we find out that the pavement, you know, the cheapest of materials in this soon-to-come kingdom, is gold. Okay, that's the cheapest stuff. Are we getting the picture? And then faith. The comfort of faith. Yesterday, I officiated at the funeral of a 45-day-old child. And there were those who believed that were there and also those without faith. If you have faith, you know how wonderful this richness is. Especially in a situation like that. Our poor brothers and sisters in Smyrna did have it bad. I know your tribulation, your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. False teachers are mentioned in five letters. Five. And the other two letters, uh, those of the churches are accused of propagating false religion. Okay. All seven churches. But the point here is that Jesus knew their troubled situation. Have you ever seen a child collapse, weeping into the arms of their dad after going through a tough, tough time? There's just nothing like knowing that your father knows the trouble you've seen. And what a richness to fall into his embrace. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen Nobody knows but Jesus. Jesus truly does know all the trouble we will see and we can rest in him. Pergamum had a situation similar to Smyrna. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yow! <laughs> where Satan's throne is. Did you know Satan is directly mentioned in four of these letters? <laughs> and this reference is embedded into the praise of Jesus to the church of Pergamum. It can be a little frightening to realize that Satan's hordes are active all around us. 
So we need to be aware of another thing the Revelation says about Satan and the church. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. So does Satan worry us? Didn't worry them. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name. And you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. We, too, conquer Satan by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, and the word of his testimony, our upholding of the truth of scriptures. Antipas, my faithful witness. The very first thing John said about Jesus Christ, remember back at the beginning of this book, the very first thing he said was Jesus was a faithful witness. And now Jesus says Antipas was his faithful witness. Pretty good compliment (laughs) being compared to Jesus Christ. I think so. Now we don't know who Antipas was. He's not mentioned anywhere else. His name means against all. So maybe it's a nickname for a man who stood for Christ against every person who accosted him not loving even his own life more than Jesus Christ, Antipas. I kind of wonder if maybe it's the name that Jesus gave to him when he got to heaven, that he was given this name. You stood your ground against everybody. Let's call you against all, Antipas. I I don't know. (laughs) But the ultimate test, and Antipas stood tall, he stood tall where Satan dwells. We've already pointed out that Satan is directly mentioned in four of these letters. He's pretty serious about attacking us. But that's for a later talk. Thyatira. And to the angel, the church in Thyatira, write, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance. The judge of all things looked at those folks and gave them some wonderful grades. You get an A in love, in faith, in service. You get an A in patient endurance. You go, wow, what a tremendous ovation to their Christian life. And he goes on, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. They're getting better at this than they were before. You talk about living your life such that people ask, why do you live the life you live? You know, that's our. Could they possibly do any better? Well, yes, but, but that's for another talk, so we're not going to deal with that today. They had some issues too. Right now, we want to ask, how much would we like to hear Jesus say, wow, your love, your faith, your service, your patient endurance is off the charts? Do we want to hear that? Love. Remember, love, as defined by the Scripture, is absolute self-sacrifice, giving your life for others. Faith, the knowledge of the Holy One and our absolute trust in Him. That is to say, doing whatever He says, no matter what we desire. Service. Jesus Himself came to serve, not to be served. Do we serve others before attending to ourselves. And then there's that patient endurance. We've already talked about it. This is the third time it is mentioned 
in the Revelation. And Jesus will soon compliment the Philadelphian church for patient endurance as well. But we need to take everything together in these letters, by the way. To every one of the churches, Jesus repeated these words, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Plural. If we listen to God, we need to hear everything he says to all seven churches. To Sardis, he said, and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive. Okay, today we're talking about praise Jesus gave, so we have to stop here. Uh, I'm afraid the bulk of the people at this church were not, in spite of their reputation, alive. The church looked good, but they were dead on the inside. Yet, you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. If a person is trapped in a church that looks so alive, but is really dead, they can be encouraged by the words of Christ. If they have not soiled their garments, they are worthy, Jesus says. When a dad takes time out of his busy schedule to come to his girl's ballet recital, she knows she has worth in her father's eyes. Standing at the sidelines shouting, Good job, son! Good job! It will add tremendous worth to any young man, especially when most of his team stinks. <laughs> it's important to know that Jesus says I see you fighting to keep clean I see you asking me again and again to make you clean understand that I see you and I want you to know you are worthy of the white garments that I've made for you I will bring you home to be with me and with my father forever Understand that you are of great value to Jesus Christ. He took time in his divine, eternal existence to come to this earth for you. And one day, he will take the time to live on a new earth with you. You are of great value to your heavenly Father. But, back in the Revelation, now we get to the good church. One like that other church about which Christ points out nothing bad. Smyrna was the first. Philadelphia is the other. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key to David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. Is this wonderful or what? You know, just strength are open. Nobody can shut their door. Power, Yes. But it's also a curious way to start complimenting someone. Maybe you can think of it like this. Your kids had a driver's permit for almost a year and now they've got their license. Hey, Dad, my friends just texted and want to know, can we, can we pick them up on the way to the game? And you say, we, and you toss them the car keys. You're going to let me take the car all by myself? Sure. I know you. I've watched you drive for a year. I know you're careful. I know you'll be home on time and you won't let your friends or anybody else talk into doing something you shouldn't. I trust you. 
I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. But Jesus goes on, I know that you have but little power and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Little power? What happened to I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut? The truth is, people look at you, they look at us and they say, there's nothing there. You begin to wonder yourself, what could I do? But you hold on, sometimes in the bitterest of circumstances, and you stand for Jesus no matter what they say. But it is true, you don't have much power. Well, Jesus has a message for you. I know you think you're nothing, but look at what you've accomplished. You might think it really isn't much, but it's all I need from you. It's all. You kept my word. You would not deny my name. You are worth all the world to me. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of God's creation, I know your works. Well, we're going to stop and have this discussion later. I'm afraid those in Laodicea could not join those to whom Christ was giving praise. For us today, let's recap the wonderful observations of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. I know you are bearing up for my name's sake. I know you have not grown weary. I know you cannot bear with those who are evil. I know that you hate those evil works. I know your tribulation. I know your poverty. But oh, you are rich. I know you have suffered slander. I did too. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And even in the midst of that pressure, you hold fast to my name. I know you never denied my faith even under threat of death. I know your works, your love. I know your faith. I know your service. I know your patient endurance. I know you are doing better and better for me. I know some of you out there are in churches that look so alive, but are dead when it comes to faith. And yet you are worthy. I know. You have not soiled your garments with evil and I know you will walk with me in white. I know your works and I'm giving you an open door. Nobody can shut what I've opened for you. I know you only have a little power but that's enough because I know you have kept my word. I know you have not denied my name. <sighs> Father, you know us. The problem is we know us too. And we understand that we're not there yet. But today we wanted just to look at the praise that you are willing to give. Those churches back then, some of them had some serious issues. 
and yet you found praise for five of them. Some amazing praise. And we know that you will pour out praise on us for what we do. We pray that you'd help us to be what these people were in a positive sense. The good things that they did get right. Help us to get some things right. And we do feel like we don't have much power. We're out here in a little teeny town. It's losing people. What could we possibly do for you? But you said, you don't understand. You held on to my word. You didn't deny my name. You kept your faith. You are doing the right thing. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. He can bring us through, even through death. Amen.